Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Critical Transit Podcast. Today I'm going to be speaking with the hosts of the Sprocket Podcast out of Portland, Oregon about uh, rain, bicycling in the rain, and other things related to bicycling and weather and uh, all kinds of fun stuff. This is kind of a fun show. We had a nice conversation, uh, about an hour long, and uh, it was very enjoyable. I think you're going to learn a lot. Um, Great show, and uh, I won't spend too much time before we get into it. But I have to give you the formalities. Um, you, you can find more about the show and me and my work at criticaltransit.com. Uh, go there to see show notes and uh, everything else. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook at Critical Transit. Uh, you can also go on, uh, I am on LinkedIn as well if you want to, if you're one of those professional types who doesn't do the whole, uh, the whole Twitter thing. And uh, yeah, go there. Um, send an email with your feedback, uh, suggestions for topics and or guests to feedback at criticaltransit.com or you can comment on the page or twitter facebook whatever you know the deal um so today i'm very excited because not only do i uh get to speak to two wonderful people uh very entertaining voices about uh about bicycling in the rain um things that i well i don't love the rain so much but i love bicycling and uh but also i have a new microphone today this is the first podcast on the new microphone uh and you may have noticed that so I, I already did some testing and I listened to it and it sounds way better than what the, the hack that I was doing before and it's way easier to do. So there you go. Um, so I hope you like it. If there are any changes in the audio quality, anything I need to know about, please, uh, please write in and send me, uh, send me a note and let me know. Feedback at criticaltransit.com. So with that all said, uh, I'm going to jump into the feature presentation today. Um, that's going to be all we're going to do today. We're going to talk about bicycling in the rain uh, with Brock Dittis, who you'll hear first, and Aaron Flores. They are the two hosts of the Sprocket podcast, which talks about uh, everything from you know conversations about uh, day day life, uh, including bicycling and transportation. Uh, Brock is a big transit geek, as am I, and uh, so we talk. Uh, I think we mentioned that very briefly. Um, we didn't talk about transit much. Um, I had Brock on a previous episode. Um, geez, I'm gonna have to dig back. Um, we mentioned it in the beginning of the show. This is this was probably like around episode 20 or so. And uh, you know, I Brock Brock actually came to Brock and I were both visiting Boston, actually, uh, friends and family. And so we uh, we took a little adventure, went down to took the train down to Providence and uh, biked south along the uh, the bay. I think it's Narragansett Bay, perhaps. Um, you know, we had a nice ride, uh, enjoyed some cold weather, and uh, and everything was good. So, um, you know, now I'm in the cold place, and he's in the rainy place. So, uh, we talk a lot about weather today. So, okay. Anyway, I mentioned that. Uh, I'm going to get right into the show, and uh, I think you're going to like what you hear. As I said, um, Brock is the first voice, and then uh, Aaron comes in a little bit later. So, uh, I'm going to put links. Uh, I think there are at least some links that I'll put up on the site. So, um, check there. <laughs> Today I'm pleased to be joined by Brock Dittis and Aaron Flores, the co-hosts of the Sprocket Podcast. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy to have these guys here because they are uh, longtime bicyclists. Uh, they've been living in Portland, Oregon for quite a while, and they're very up on uh, culture and uh, being prepared for various things. You can find Brock and Aaron at thesprocketpodcast.com, where they are simplifying the good life by bringing you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. It includes day-to-day life, food, alcohol, bicycles, and alter- alternative transportation, arts and culture, communication and the internet, camping and travel, and many other things. Um, and yeah, um, Aaron, how did I do? Um, I want feedback on that. Um, so uh, thank you, gentlemen, for uh, taking the time to join me. All right. Well, cool, man. Thank you for setting this up. This is fun. Yeah. Um, and it's good to talk to you voice to voice again. It's been, I'm trying to remember how long it's been since I saw you in person. I guess it was almost a year ago that we biked down to Providence. Is that right? Yeah, it was about that. It was It was actually last winter, right? It was. I think it was December. Yeah, yeah, totally. So 11 months. Cool. And yeah, it wasn't raining there. It was, it was a little chilly, but it was kind of probably the weather we're having right now in Minneapolis. Uh, it was yeah, kind yeah. of like that. Yeah, and the weather we're having um, here today is actually really nice, too, because Aaron, you just went over Mount Tabor. Yes, I did. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Which, uh, it's wonderful out here. Mm-hmm. Crisp, but clear and sunny. 
Nice. And, and uh, I was talking to Brock the other day, and he said that, uh, you know, we're going to be talking about rain, but uh, you uh, you said that it's been pretty dry. So Yeah. Yeah, go figure the time we're going to talk about rain. <laughs> well, it's okay. Um, we uh, I assume it's going to be raining in other parts of the world, and uh, this the next episode hopefully is going to be about winter. So Yeah, and Monday right. when I go back to work, I think it's predicted to be cloudy and rainy again. So, uh, okay. yeah, this will be appropriate for the time probably that it airs. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, and uh, people may not know that uh, Brock is a uh, is actually a school bus driver. So, uh, indeed, yes. Um, I have to ask you before we talk about rain now. Do, do you uh, you had some thoughts on on my thoughts on uh, following the rules of the road on a bike? Oh you know? yeah, no. Well, I think last time uh, the episode I listened to, which uh, would have been the last one released, but I'm not sure where this comes in the release order. Uh, you were talking about how uh, people would uh, would give the admonition to share the road with cars. Uh, kind of like calling bikes out for not sharing the road and that made you a little upset and angry and uh i think i think your emotion transferred to me in a way that i i think i misinterpreted your point because i sent you this big long email about how right of way is super important and uh i think i probably sounded like a jackass and then you came back <laughs> and you're like, actually it's it's uh you know right of way is very important so is safety so my apologies for misunderstanding you no, no, it's all good. I, I think we were saying that we that we all agree in, yeah, exactly. in that uh, you know, I mean, safety, respect, and uh, and ultimately uh, convenience does does play a role. I have to admit that. I mean, if I, uh, I have to admit that there is at least a, a bit of it, like the main reason that I, I won't sit there if the lights red for a long time is because I uh, I just don't want to. And uh, let's face it, it might be raining. Right, right. And when it's wet, yeah, that adds like an additional. You don't want to spend any more time outdoors than you have to, unless you really like being wet and cold. Most <laughs> well, of us don't. I don't know. I, I enjoy going for bike rides in the rain, but only if I'm uh, coming directly home and uh, can go uh, right in the shower and uh, yeah, you know, change my clothes, the whole deal. Pina coladas and such? Yes, yes. That, that might be involved. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so wh- where do you want to go with this? What? Uh, how should we talk about rain? So I, I, I thought that, that um, I wanted to hear uh, maybe some thoughts just because you guys, uh, you guys live in Portland, uh, and I understand that it rains a lot over there. We have some um, experience with it, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so I I think of rain rain biking sort of the same way I think of winter biking, and that there's I think about it in like three kind of components. There's there's the gear, um, there would be the equipment, and uh, and your behavior. Um, and I wonder if uh, if you think that that's a good way of sort of breaking that down. Yeah, I love it, and maybe also maybe just to preface, there are different kinds of rain. Um, and weren't we talking about this in a recent show, Aaron? I thought uh, it sounds familiar. I'm hearkening back to uh, a very minor prophet where oh yeah, uh, the guy references different uh, Celtic terms for rain. Right, I forgot about that. On the character of the rain, whether it's a drizzle or pouring down or you know yeah whatever. Yeah, and for anybody who isn't familiar with a very minor prophet by James Bernard Frost, it's kind of a mixed media book. Um, not really a graphic novel, but not really. Uh, it's like half zine, half graphic novel, yeah. half novella. Fantastic design elements and great story uh, and tons of dialogue. And it's, yeah, it's kind of this fictionalized setting of uh, a young person's uh, move to Portland, Oregon. And uh, yeah, it, it's pretty great. So uh, we recommend that definitely. Yes. But yeah, there's like the light sprinkle rain. And especially if that's like a summer or springtime thing, uh, that's actually not so bad. And uh, one of our recent guests, Michael Tetta from the Community Cycling Center, was talking about he he Wears rarely no gear yeah no he just gear. goes out in his ordinary clothes and that that works out just fine um, so there's that but then there's also kind of like the monsoon stuff where we had that more in September this year uh, but it's pretty common for November I think as well in Portland where uh, the weather systems converge and you get big buckets of water yeah. coming out of the sky at you so the the downpour um, and the sprinkle those are two different things and so you might yeah you might consider those uh, on different levels I guess but but yeah so gear first. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of. I feel like that's the number one thing people think about. Definitely. Well, Aaron, you got a new jacket. You're really excited about. I, I I can't say how much I love this jacket. I cannot say enough how much I love this jacket. Um, yeah. So rather than going with the sort of polyfiber route, I found a jacket that is made of cotton or waxed cotton. Yeah. Uh, which is a material that where the wax is sort of infused with the cotton thread, and then woven into garments um it's sort of an old-fashioned thing like used the old sailors used something like that um so i don't know maybe that's part of the attraction for me 
<clears throat> but this, yeah, it, it's cool. It's a it's a bike jacket. It's got the little you know extended tail, um, but it doesn't look like a bike jacket. It's not like the bright yellow or orange or, or whatever. Yeah, and that's um, from Swerve. Is that right? Swerve yeah. is the company that makes that, which they do a lot of sort of bike gear that doesn't necessarily look like biking gear. Um, yeah, they have a fantastic line of products. I had their jeans for many years. Uh, I wore them. I think I wore them out. And they also had like a the jeans I had had a waterproofing sort of exterior, but I think I may have washed them wrong. Um, oh. I don't remember looking at the the handling directions and and what it was supposed to you know if you were supposed to wash uh, wash it. I almost said wash. You did. Yes, I was, was going to be somewhat impressed. That's that's my grandpa's speech patterns coming through. Um, no, I I put it in the in the washing machine. I think uh, maybe it was one of those like wash cold only, and oh. I might have washed it hot, yeah, yeah. which may have stripped off the water repellent. It wasn't supposed to be waterproof, but uh, yeah, it was just their cycling jeans, regular fit. Um, so yeah, but Swerve is a great company. Yeah, so they make and, some good and stuff. so far, I've I haven't ridden in a lot of rain this year. Um, you know, poor bike gone. <laughs> Aaron's crossing yeah. himself for anybody who can't see. <laughs> uh, but video. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but I've I've still been wearing it around, and I've been out in the, in some pretty bad rain. And so far, yeah, it's been doing great. Um, it's a little warm. I'm surprised at how warm it is. I'll ride in just a t-shirt and mm. and that jacket, and still have the vents open. Um, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, waxed cotton is an interesting phenomenon because I always assumed it was like a layer of wax over a cotton garment, but you, like you said, it's just it's the threads themselves are imbued with wax. Right, right, um, and then it's woven into a, a fiber of some kind. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think cotton when it gets wet swells, and so um, so it makes it even somewhat more waterproof. Maybe so. Yeah, like it uh, if the cotton swells up, the wax uh, presses against the other threads and wax, and and keeps the rain out even more effectively. I think which, that's yeah, that's the theory behind it. Yeah, which reminds me of was it Ecotopia? Jeremy, are you familiar with Eco, uh, Ecotopia? I am not. That was a book that came out back in like the '60s or '70s. It was kind of a fantasy novel about a secessionist movement of the West Coast of the United States of America, and uh, I think they described it was just kind of a byline, but they described like kind of a cotton wax cotton sort of thing in that. So that was the first time I had heard about that. But okay. yeah, um, that's a whole other thing. Uh, on my end, for my jacket, I have, what is it, a... Is that a marmot? No, it's from... Oh, you're talking about your plaid. Oh, right, no, sorry, I'm looking at that. I'm, I'm actually looking at the hypothetical jacket that's somewhere off in the distance. <laughs> um, oh, I'm trying to remember now. I think I have Columbia, and Columbia is based out of here in Oregon as well. Um, they're a decent company. The reason I had Columbia, actually, is because I knew a friend who worked for them and got me a discount at uh, at stuff. Uh, the one that the one that I first started out with was kind of an emergency rain jacket, and it worked out really well. But uh, as Just an emergency, one of those that you pull out of a pouch. Yeah, it didn't even have a pouch. It was okay. really light, really thin, and it worked well while it worked. But it wasn't designed to be used over time. And so I think with I'm trying to remember, like the first year it was great, but after a year's worth of wearing and then packing and then unpacking and all the abrasion from riding around in my bags. And all that, uh, it wore down pretty badly to the point where it didn't work at all. Ah, and so we sent it back to them and said, "Hey, um, this isn't working out so well." And they said, "Well, yeah, you're using it wrong." But they offered <laughs> to swap the one jacket for another one. So I got this really heavy duty. It's, uh, I believe, it's called the Typhoon, but uh, actually, no, it's Mountain Hardware, which is a subsidiary of Columbia. But Wait, uh, they're the same company. I believe they're owned by the same person. Yeah, Holy Grandma shit, Gertie. My mind is blown. Yeah. But uh, that's a great jacket. It's worked out really well. It is not cycling specific, so I have the big like pouch of fabric around my stomach that when I lean over on the bike, uh, it kind of like bunches oh, up. Yeah. So yeah. I think optimally, <laughs> if I wanted to spend some more money, I would someday buy uh, a cycling specific rain jacket. But uh, the bonus of that is that I can also wear it around town for other things, and it does cover you know all the way down to the belt line, which is nice. Um, so that's a great jacket. I like that a lot. Um, and I've one, seen those rain capes yeah. as well. Like there's some people have a, like a, yeah, I forget exactly what it looks like. It's sort of similar to a poncho. I, oh, yeah. I, I am kind of partial to the poncho actually. And I would, I would imagine a lot of cyclists around here really are partial to the rain cape. Um, I was on Clever Cycles site, the shop down here, um, and they talk up the rain cape all over the place. Yeah. Um, We've talked quite a bit about rain capes the past couple of our episodes. It sounds mm-hmm. like... If I'm remembering correctly, Rob Sadowski. Yeah, he's a fan. Rides with the rain cape. Yeah, yeah. 
um yeah so around here like people love it uh, yeah I, I have yet to try one i think it seems like a great idea but i also i feel like i'm covered with what i have and so i haven't felt the need to branch out i just have this sort of horrific image in my head of the cape getting caught in the in the chain <laughs> or the spokes or whatever right as right I ride and then you know like sort of strangling me as, yeah. as I get going down Mount Tabor's. That seems like a, yeah, a bad idea, I guess. So you'd have to know how the Cape worked before you took it out on the road. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I think uh, the problem for also, me, yeah. oh, I think, I think the problem for me when, with the, you know, with the rain is that it's like my, um, I get really wet, like on my pants above the knees. So mm-hmm. like if I have, you know, if I have a long enough poncho that can like sort of keep the water below the knees, then everything is cool. Um, I used to drive the pedicab in, in New York, and when I was doing that, I mean, I, that's that's what I would wear in the rain because um, those were those were good money days. Yeah, um, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> how was the pedicabbing in the rain? Like, how did that work out for you? It was actually it was good because people who would never get in a pedicab otherwise were just happy to you know get in a covered space and <laughs> be taken where they have to go. And it was, okay, uh, oh, so you had a cover on yours? Yes, yes. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Well, I did in New York In Chicago. I didn't have a cover, and I did it in the middle of winter. And uh, that was a little, a little rough, just getting people in, even when it wasn't <laughs> raining or snowing. Yeah, that's intense. Uh, what was the? Um, there was that Pope mobile that we had a picture of recently. I can't remember who sent that in, but apparently there's like some custom bike, uh, like with bulletproof glass, just crafted for the Pope. For the Pope. Yeah, yep. but uh, whoever has to drive the Pope around is outside of the bulletproof glass. So. Yeah. <laughs> That seems like it's good, good for the Pope, but maybe not for everybody. Well, yeah. So if the if the driver gets <laughs> taken out, the Pope's just stuck, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> but but he's there. He's like kind of in that bombproof egg. There you go. Um, there was actually, I think we're going to cover this on our show that we're taping later today. Um, but there's this Velomobile company that is considering uh, moving to Portland. I think they're in North Carolina right now, maybe in Raleigh. But uh, they put together these. Uh, I believe it's called the Elf which is basically a covered oh, yeah, yeah. Velomobile. Did you yeah, see this? Yeah. yeah, I've seen pictures of it. Yeah, it looks really cool. It's an electric assist sort of thing. So basically, I think it's a single occupancy uh, weather shell. And I've always thought that it would be wonderful to have, like the only reason I would want a car in Portland would be for the mornings when it's ridiculously wet and I just don't feel like being outside. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, <laughs> that that maybe would be another form of rain gear would be instead of getting uh the actual rain gear would just be to have a bike that keeps you sheltered from the elements. This is what I'm thinking. I'm a big fan of the Velomobile and, uh, I've never gotten one, but I feel like, I feel like that would be, uh, on my, on my bucket list. Like before I, before I die, I want to, I want to ride a Velomobile. They're expensive. They're super expensive. <laughs> yes. They're like, uh, I think just shy of $5,000. I was going to say, it's like at some point you're kind of weighing, well, isn't this just, about like a used car, right, kind of, right, or or a really nice bike. Exactly, yeah. Well, I for example, a cargo like a Bachfeet's cargo bike you could get for around five thousand dollars, I think, depending on the one you get. Ah. Uh, or a nice racing bike if you're into the racing thing. A lot of people drop uh, multiple thousands of dollars oh, yeah. on that. So if you're in a position to do so, uh, you know, go out and get an Elf, try it out. Let us know. <laughs> but, <laughs> what about a cargo velomobile, like a basically yes. a covered uh, big dummy or something? See, I've I've been wondering about that too. Like, why couldn't we have basically a cycle truck and i know these exist um at least in one form or another but it would be it would be lovely if there was some sort of like human powered or electric assist option that would help more people get onto something that they basically provide the power for themselves um yeah then can still cart stuff around exactly yeah yeah. um but then again it it all often comes down to money so uh Jeremy, you were talking about the um, the upper part of the legs, basically keeping your thighs dry. And Aaron, you and I are both fans of the uh, the rain chaps. Rain chaps, yeah. And yeah. I keep I forget the brand now. I think rain mates. Rain mates is what brand. we have. There's yeah, also a rain mates. legs. Yeah, and I think there might be a few others as well. Yeah. Well, at the time I got mine, rain mates was the only company making them um and where are they at? they're out of holland i think yeah. yeah i think they're from europe um yeah. yeah and so they had to be shipped overseas and all yeah, that yeah yeah um so yeah i paid uh something like 50 dollars for a pair of chaps which you know a pair of rain pants is around that mm-hmm. much anyways um maybe it's a little bit less but anyways for yeah for a pair of chaps that now i'm seeing for about 45 40 um, I even saw a pair for thirteen dollars. Really? That were like they were used. They were over at like Next Adventure, which is this used, oh, yeah. uh, you know, outdoor and cycling gear. If you're in so, Portland, they're the anti anti REI. I think, like yeah, the, yeah, kind of <laughs> the alternative outdoor store. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there was there was a pair there used that were in decent condition. I'm kind of kicking myself for not buying them. Still, mm. maybe they're still there. I'm gonna have to go check. Did <laughs> <laughs> have a backup? Well, but I I prefer the chaps, and yeah, and you can you can sort of uh, tell me your two cents on this too. But I I prefer them because they seem a lot easier to get on and off. You have those straps that I can like cinch them to my leg, so they're not just like flapping around, which is something that annoys me a lot. Um, riding around is like whenever I have like a coat or anything on that is just sort of flapping in the wind. Um, flapping in the then, wind's no good. No, I don't. I don't know. It's just I know it's kind of my anal retentiveness. I guess um, I, all I can think to myself is like that's. A little bit, a little bit less aerodynamic than it could be. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm not r- really like a racer, at right? All. But you're far more competitive but than you would let on. I, sometimes, yeah. yes. Me too. I realized. Are you like a like super competitive, like you know, racing traffic kind of kind of guy? Like if you know, are you are you like you know, or really you? like into racing cars and that sort of thing. Not as much. Every now and then I'll be riding. Uh, there's a trail next to our, our light rail uh, trains. Um, and every now and then I'll be riding and I'll be at just the right spot where the train is stopped at a station. And I'm riding by the station. And there's a little bit in me that's like, I'm going to see how far I can race this train. Like, I know I can't beat it. But at least how far I can I can go with it before it still yeah. passes me. Yeah. That or like the self-righteous fred cyclist guys that uh, those yeah that put off the air of like i don't care that you're here i'm ignoring your presence when they're out for their training i'm gonna pass you as close as possible (laughs) yeah um and yeah that guaranteed will will just snap that reptilian part of my brain Mm -hmm. that's like must kill (laughs) (laughs) yeah and uh i've i call it the grudge race like when i see the people that are uh egregiously dangerously cycling down the streets and and paying no heed whatsoever traffic signals my grudge race has always been to uh, to attempt to catch up to them while following the traffic laws to prove that it can be done that they didn't actually save themselves any time so yeah there's there's that too i guess um but uh, the physics of the like the rain chap idea is basically like if you're riding a standard bicycle a safety bicycle if you will and you're powering forward into the rain and through the wet um you're not going to get wet on the backs of your legs. Um, there might be a little bit of spray from the tires, that sort of thing. But generally, as you're cutting through the water in the air, uh, the parts that are going to get the wettest are the parts in front of you. So um, if if you are cycling at a good clip, if you don't like sweating inside your rain gear, because that's always the big thing, too, is that if you're if you're bundled up with your gear... Um, like if I, you're wearing pants yeah. underneath your rain pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I tend to I tend to sweat a lot, and I don't really enjoy the feeling of being wetter inside than on the outside. Um, so the rain legs kind of obviate some of that, in the sense that you know you've got the just the, the part that's going into the rain covered up, and then the backside of your leg can kind of vent all that heat and moisture that your body is producing as you're exercising. So yeah, I think the material itself is not breathable, but the product is breathable in that you have the whole back of your leg yeah. still airing out. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's great. I do occasionally use rain pants if it's a particularly wet day, but it has to be pretty wet for that to, for that to matter to me, I guess. Um, the other part that I haven't quite figured out yet, and this is maybe rain gear for your, your bike, um, I have a Brooks saddle, and leather and water don't play well together, and so trying to figure out when to put the, uh, the cover onto the Brooks and, and figure out, you got to get one of those leather conditioner... Um, lotions on it too does that help with the rain i don't know oh, okay just <laughs> all the conventional wisdom i've heard tells you not to use too much of that stuff because it'll make it all saggy and, and loose uh, but uh but i suppose you could maybe you could wax your brooks you could just ride standing up whenever it rains because that'd be good That's, practice <laughs> yeah. totally or just leave the uh, cover on it <laughs> right, right. And I've done that occasionally. Well, and that's actually kind of the thing. Like with the rain chaps, um, I don't cover the Brooks saddle because uh, it's just my pants sitting on the saddle. And that tends to keep it dry enough and out of the rain. But if I'm wearing rain pants, so I have like a waterproof layer on all sides of me, then I'm a little more worried about the Brooks saddle because the rain is going to creep around from, from one side of me to the backside and, and drip onto the leather. So, yeah. So I guess it's just a, it's a matter of judiciousness and comfort. 
So I think that's my that's going to be my my next uh, purchase is going to be uh, rain pants, which I still there don't we know. go, or or possibly these chaps. I'm going to uh, think about this. These these look uh, quite quite impressive. So, so tell me what what is it like in Minneapolis then? If uh, if you deal with rain when it comes, what's it like? Yeah, so we get so we get rain. Um, it's it's pretty standard rain, I suppose. It's nothing. Uh, you know, <laughs> in between seasons, you'll get that like rain snow slush mixture. That's true. Yes, we do get that, um, which is actually the worst because then it's, it's you know it's cold rain, and uh, you know then you're having to worry about ice. Um, I actually I've always said that I like the winter because it doesn't rain, um, so you know less to deal with, but. Um, yeah, we get the, the definitely the sleet, and uh, and so this the, you know the snow can melt and turn into ice, and uh, I don't know. Does it, it doesn't really get that cold that you really have to worry about a lot of ice in Portland, do you? Not too often, but when ice does show up here, everyone goes apeshit because there's no like no <laughs> one knows how to deal with it. Yeah. Well, it's a different kind of ice, really. Like I, I think a lot of people that move to Portland from the Midwest are used to experiencing snow, and maybe you got this because you come from that area, Aaron. Sure. Um, like it's the idea that. It's no big deal driving, biking, walking, whatever, in snow because, like, it happens all the time. And usually in the Midwest, it's more of a dry, crunchy snow, if I'm not mistaken. Well, not where I'm from. Okay. Okay. But, like, yeah, southern Michigan's gross in the okay. winters. There we go. So I don't want to speak for everybody. Right. But uh, a lot of people, I think, understand uh, how, to, how to deal with snow on flat, like, plains land and that sort of thing. Uh, but the interesting – the juxtaposition of Portland with the two rivers and the different air systems that all mix up here – lead to some really, really vicious ice when it happens. And it yeah. only gets bad maybe every two, three, or five years, somewhere in there. Like, we'll have a really bad winter well, storm. And the majority of people who live in Portland or who have immigrated to Portland are from California or L.A. Mm, where know, it doesn't happen really where, at all. Yeah, where, like, snow is sort of one of those things that happens in movies. It's a myth. It's a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the way that works out is that a lot of people, especially when you're dealing with uh, road users that are driving their own personal vehicles, those folks end up uh, making a lot of assumptions about what their vehicle is capable of on the roads oh, and God. what it's going to do yeah. when they don't realize that you have that frozen layer or that uh, the ice is as thick as it is. or Yeah, basically, and, and you're not on flat ground. Like There's a fair amount of up and down and hills here in Portland and, oh, yeah. and kind of in Oregon in general. So People yeah. in the Midwest, Minnesota, if you ever want to have a sort of a laugh at Portlanders, <laughs> just go onto YouTube and, and type in like Portland uh, snow driving or something to that effect, and you're going to get some pretty hilarious videos. From yeah, <laughs> seriously. Well, and even the news coverage, like, I mean, I know, Jeremy, you and I are both kind of transit geeks. We look at buses and that sort of thing. And admittedly, it's a hard job for a bus driver when it gets to be uh, really cold and, and slick outside. But uh, the news, if anything goes wrong, like if, if there's something that happens with a bus on the roadway where maybe the bus driver had no control over that situation at all, um, the news will get that clip of like the bus sliding yep. from lane to lane. Look at what this driver did. Yeah, or sliding into a building like I think there was one in Tacoma a couple of years ago. And that, that just gets played on the news all the time, which kind of reinforces the idea that like the bus is not really the way to go, which is too bad. But yeah, so that uh, that does happen. But yeah, rain pants. So depending on how you know how things work out for you, Jeremy, if you're going to have uh, the the full monsoon rains, rain pants can be a much better idea for you. But the chaps but, are are great if you don't have to deal with that downpour all the time. True. And you mentioned the cape. I'm interested in uh, your thoughts on the cape. So I, I haven't actually tried the cape. Um, okay. I, I've used uh, I've used poncho, which I'm a big fan of. Okay. Um, I don't think it's quite the same thing. Well, the poncho is kind of like a cape that uh, that doesn't attach to the bike, I guess, right? Oh, so the cape attaches to the bike. Okay, I didn't think about, I didn't realize I, that. So that's yeah, I think that's the ones that we're that we've seen. Okay, so it like covers your hands basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. I yeah, could def- I, I could get behind that. Um, I I just like the poncho because it's it's more flexible and you know you get you get a little bit of air in there and you're not like just kind of you know sweating all on the inside and um, I could get behind having the hands covered. Uh, I've seen people in, uh, especially in New York, um, but I'm sure it happens here too, where people just put like, um, they make these gloves that kind of like attach to the handlebars, or people will get like 15 plastic bags and just like put them, <laughs> use them as gloves, basically. That's fantastic. Yeah. So yeah, uh, it's also like the the hoods for your hands. Like if you have uh, if you have a bike with with brakes um, with drop bars, for example, um, I've seen places. And where people have installed these hoods that basically you slip your hands into, and the the hoods stay on the bike, but it's kind of like a little 
uh, warm nest for your hands while you're riding, which I've never used, but it seems like a great idea. It sounds fantastic. The only concern I would have is in terms of safety. You know, you need to move. Um, and I, I wear mittens in the winter, so I'm and waterproof ones. You know, so I'm not, I'm not a, really having trouble with like moving the the shifting and the braking and everything. But I know people have complained about that, and I think about, you know, if you have to make an evasive maneuver and you're you're kind of stuck in these things. Like, I wonder if that has an effect. Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. It's kind of like uh, like if you use clipless pedals or some other like tow cages or something. Um, if you do get into an accident, uh, your bike will probably tend to travel with you. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to being able to fly clear of the bike, which I don't know. I haven't been in enough wrecks to, to know if that's, you know, what would happen in that situation. But either way, I guess you try to avoid those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we know one thing we do know about rain is that uh, for some reason, uh, the uh, asshole level of the drivers goes way, way up. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> right, right. Well, and in a way, like, it depends on your gear quite a bit. I just thought of when I first got my, my first grown-up bike for commuting around town, uh, it was a steel-wheeled Schwinn, and so uh, basically, it had no stopping capability. So I became the asshole cyclist, where I was mashing down on the brake levers, trying my my very hardest to stop. And I think I was up in like North Portland, like rolling through Kenton. Ooh. And um, yeah, I, I put on the brakes like a full block ahead, and steel wheels with the old school brakes. Uh, I flew right through that thing, trying my hardest to stop, and it didn't work. So, so yeah, in a way, like you uh, definitely you want to make sure you have the uh, the bike that's equipped for that rain as well. Uh, we should talk about that. Um, I think everybody knows that you should have uh, you should have fenders. And um, what else? Uh, what else is uh, important to think about on the bike? Uh, definitely. Well, the wheels that you and I use, uh, most modern wheels are like a kind of an aluminum sort of alloy, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> so I, if you can afford them, I highly recommend disc brakes. Oh yeah, that's right, because you have big experience with disc brakes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I. The bike I'm riding now has uh, linear pull or what it whatever those things are called. V brakes. Well, no, they're not V brakes. Oh, do the cantilever brakes then? Yeah. Okay, the ones that pull from the from the top and it's yeah. just kind of yeah. Those those are the least powerful, I believe. Yeah, they, I, I, I it's not even raining and I'm sliding all over. <laughs> uh, it's a good thing it's alone but, when you're on your way to your new bike. Yeah, yes. but disc brakes, um, man, I can't I can't praise them enough uh they first off the braking surface is not on the rim so you've got that going for you um the um pads like the way they pinch onto that disc uh it sort of cleans off the disc you know as it pinches off onto it um so it, it takes a lot less longer like whatever gunk or whatever is on your disc um will you know be cleaned off pretty quickly and so then you've got a uh, pretty nice dry surface to to break with, um, and that disc is not coming in contact with the ground. Whereas your rim right. is rolling through puddles That's and, and yeah. all kinds of shit all the time. And so, uh, if you do have rim brakes, and this is the thing that I've realized, like I still I can't part with my bike yet. I love my bike too much, and I'm willing to buy a new wheel every year. But I tend to basically wear the rims down to the point where they're about to fail about once a year. So um, it's an expensive proposition. someday yeah. I would love to have disc brakes. But last time I took my bike into the shop at Velo Cult, uh, the the guy was like, you know, wh- why don't more people have disc brakes in this town? <laughs> yes. um, I think part of it is that, yeah, uh, they're expensive. or They're more expensive than, than your standard setup would be. But, uh, a little bit. Uh, but worth it. Yeah, I think in the long run it's actually less expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as buying pads, um, as far as maintenance, like, you know, uh, a set of pads for me was like 40 bucks for front and back. And, um, you know, that's, that's it once, you know, after the, after the, uh, initial purchase, as opposed to buying new pads, like every year, <clears throat> in your case, Brock, a whole new rim. That's right. Year, yeah. You know, so that means like someone's rethreading your, your spokes into. Like, yeah. It's basically rim. buying a wheel build. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so I I would say anyways in the long run it's it's much more economical. Yeah, I recommend that highly even though I don't do it myself. Do it yourself, not as I do. <laughs> I used to have a bike with disc brakes and yeah, I I totally agree. Um and unfortunately I don't have them right now, but I'm uh I'm looking to to put disc brakes on uh on the bike that I have. So Yeah, did you have did you have a Brompton with discs? No, no. Um I wish Brompton came with discs, but it I actually 
don't think they do. Yeah, they actually don't. Um, although I've heard about a guy in uh, in England who makes them. I can't remember his name, but he okay. apparently he modifies forks or, or makes forks for Bromptons so that they can accommodate disc brakes. Um, kind of an outlaw. Wow. Yeah, he's an outlaw. I I actually rode my Brompton in the winter last year because I was touring with it, and uh, that I don't recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> In the winter, you mean? Yeah, I don't recommend riding a Brompton in the winter. I mean, unless I suppose you could do stuff to it. Like I, I believe they make studded tires for it and all that. But um, the tires I had on it were not good, and the the snow because it's because everything is so low to the ground, the snow just kind of packs around the hub in in the rear. Yeah. And the derailleur is it's all proprietary like pieces of plastic and everything. And I had to take apart the whole derailleur like every two weeks and soak it and all that. It was kind of a mess. That's intense. I I commend you for doing that though. It's, like, <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yes, so, I yeah. uh, I wanted the benefit of uh, being able to take buses, so uh, that's kind of the price I paid. Yeah, wow. definitely. So um, speaking of studded tires, yeah, um, yes, please. Uh, riding in the winter, do you end up having to use studded tires over there on your bike, or so you keep um, your tires on? <laughs> well, like I was saying, I I'm new to Minnesota, so. Right, um, right. But, you know, I lived in Boston for several winters and Chicago for a winter. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was traveling through here last year. Obviously, the Brompton, that doesn't really count. Um, but my, my experience is that I, I don't do the studded tires. I just, um, I, I do get better, I do get tires with better treads. Um, the tires that I had up until last week were, you know, pretty smooth rolling. They had some channels for rain, but they weren't great for, and the ones I got now are pretty smooth rolling, but they have some significant treads that can deal with, with snow. Um, and that's what I do, um, and I know that uh, there are issues with ice. Um, I, I've been I'm accustomed to ice enough that I can usually see it and and handle it. Uh, I know how to you know not turn and all that. Um, but sometimes when the snow packs down and there's ice underneath, that's something that I I haven't dealt with a whole lot. So I I don't I just don't do the studded tires because they I feel like they're just they're very expensive, and and they do slow you down a little bit, and it's, it's sort of hard to justify the you know, the expense for what, like 10 days a year that, um, I can just, I can just take the magical 40 foot contraption, uh, box of steel with a professional (laughs) driver. So that's why the buses are there. I I take the bus. Yes. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe that should be the only thing we said in this whole interview. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just screw with your biking. Just take the bus. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I was also thinking about just if you have enough money and I, I guess I kind of, halfway want this situation in my life someday where I could just have a wheel that was set up with a studded tire and swap that out when I needed it. But, um, but most people aren't in a position to have extra wheels sitting around. So, or many people are not. And the ones that are don't bike. Yeah. And you could swap the wheels, but I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, are we, you know, I mean, how, how much time do you put into getting ready to leave the house? I mean, are you going to, you know, you got to get your mittens and everything on, but like, you know, are you going to, you going to want to change the wheel all the time? Sure. Yeah, seriously. And I, the answer to that for me is always never enough. Like <laughs> I always feel like I should be leaving 10 minutes earlier, even when I try to leave yes. 10 minutes earlier. So yeah. Um, I, one of the things I think just for comfort's sake, whether you're talking about cold weather or rain or both, um, a good pair of either gloves or mittens is absolutely essential. And I know some people fly without gloves in cold weather and maybe they have short rides or short commutes, but like, are they insane? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the enjoyment level of the ride goes way down when you are uncomfortable. And so like your extremities, like number one, you got your hands, number two, your feet, and then maybe number three, your face. Um, and I think maybe in that order, those are the, uh, the most important things because your hands are controlling all of the things that make your bike stop and go, uh, your derailleur system, your brakes, um, and your steering, all of those are uh, essentially important. Like those are things that you have to have going for you when you're riding on your bike, you want to be able to pilot your vehicle in a safe way. And, uh, if your hands are freezing cold like they're not going to work as well so um aaron what do you use um well right now i just have army surplus wool gloves there we go and then over top of them just my uh, regular cycling gloves yeah so i don't have anything terribly waterproof yet um it's worked for the most part there's been a few times last winter where you know it's been a really bad rain and i'm just not comfortable um But yeah, um, eventually I would, I'm hoping to get, you know, decent, uh, waterproof cycling specific gloves, but it's just, it's one of those things like I do with what I have, you know, as I can afford them. And, uh, at the time I was looking into winter gloves, I could afford $2, uh, 
uh, U.S. Army wool gloves. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, eventually, I'll get something nicer. But, you know, you do with what you can with what you got. You know? Yeah. And I have not, I haven't experimented enough with all the different kinds of cycling gloves that are available. I have uh, a pair, like a fingerless pair that I use with the padding in the, in uh, the hand, or like around your palm, which I find really helpful. That and a good set of bar tape that's been wrapped well. Um, that, that's really helpful just like in basic comfort in everyday, uh, everyday cycling. But then um, the best thing I have found over the past couple of years has been uh, Youngstown like construction gloves or something like that. I got them at a feed store. Oh, and yeah. um, those have been, they're basically designed as work gloves. So if you're out working, I don't know, on a road crew or on a farm or something like that, um, they have like a, they have a layer inside that is really nice, uh, keeps your fingers warm. It's kind of separate from the exterior layer. And then the exterior layer, uh, I, got the, I got the pair that was like bright orange, like basically construction orange. And that helps, I think, with signaling and whatnot, especially in the dark. Um, I'm not. I, I don't wear a lot of reflective material. I, I kind of like wearing normal clothes. But I figure if I'm going to have one thing reflective, it might as well be the thing that's indicating my turns. So um, those work out really well. And I'm not shilling for Youngstown. I don't think they know who I am or anything. But um, I recommend them highly. I have to ask you a question since you mentioned uh, since you mentioned signaling. Um, how come we don't have? Um, you know, I like to think about how you know we've had the safety bicycle for like a hundred years, and it really hasn't improved that much. And I, one of the things I think is like, how come we don't have turn signals yet? Right, right. Because you got them on a scooter, you got them on a motorcycle. Uh, every, uh, every other two wheeled mode has kind of figured that out. Yeah, I like maybe I can make. I think maybe I can make some because I, I have a Dynamo Hub. I think maybe I should could make some and attach them. Oh yeah, you could totally do it with a Dynamo Hub. Uh, you know, you just need some switches up front. You know, maybe like a button on the left and a button on the right, and then two corresponding lights behind you. Yeah, to kind of uh, indicate which way you're going. Um, you know, my my resistance to that is that it, it, it's more stuff on the bike. Um, not to say like safety last or anything, <laughs> but but you know, I well obviously beer first, right? Yeah. Beer first, <laughs> safety a distant second. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Um, <laughs> That's the one quote that people can all they can. That, right. Well, that was my <laughs> life. On my career, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. I think one of the tricks with turn signals on a bike is that people aren't expecting them uh, just because it's not common practice. Uh, not saying it couldn't happen, but uh, you'd have to make sure if you had turn signals on your bike that it was easily differentiated from your regular rear tail light yeah. uh, so that people could tell. I, obviously, like, well, I guess the rear lights blink too, so I don't know. Uh, you might want to have like, like arrow-shaped lights or something like that. They definitely have to be like yellow arrows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. totally. And I know there was someone, I don't know if it was here in town or a couple of years ago, I saw a story about a guy who was working on gloves that had turn yeah. signals built into them. And I don't remember. It was something like uh, accelerometer based, kind of like your iPhone or whatever, oh, like yeah, yeah. the so thing that tells you like where yeah. your hand is or what position it is. Right. The corresponding. Yeah. So when you throw your hand out for a regular hand signal, it would blink and alert people to your turn, which seems like a great idea. But I don't know what happened to that. I haven't I haven't seen anything about it recently. Yeah, so, if, I, I guess I, if you wanted to go really crazy, you could you could uh, put like a big LED sign in the back, and then you right? Could just you could put you could have message like pre-programmed messages and be like you know back the fuck up. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> turning left, bitches. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I always wanted one of those in my car back when I was like in high school. I was like, oh, why couldn't I put one of those scrolling marquees and just have a custom message, uh, which would be fun. But yeah, <laughs> not a bad idea. <laughs> So speaking of, speaking of behavior, um, you know, dealing with uh, with the rain, I guess, uh, requires some different, uh, maybe some different behavior, increased stopping distance, maybe some other things. Um, what uh, what say you about that? Hmm. Um, I know. Just like we talked about, like the difference between rim brakes and disc brakes. If you are doing a rim brake thing, you're going to have less. Uh, well, you're going to need more time to make your decisions, and you will have less time to execute your maneuvers. Um, because everything's a little delayed, as far as stopping is concerned, at least. So, yeah, definitely want to brake early. That, w- that would be a thing I would say, as a trained professional driver, I would say that's the thing that they taught me anyways. But, um, but especially in the rain, like uh, the wisdom for driving a vehicle on the road, is, or a motor vehicle, excuse me, is that you um, basically you want to factor in a couple extra seconds of stopping time and following distance whenever the road conditions are averse. So if you think you're going to have less traction... 
uh, you want to build in a, a few more seconds of time so you're not going to crash into somebody just because you couldn't stop in time. Um, so on a bike, I think it's a similar principle. Like, uh, you know, if you're riding in a pack with someone, make sure make sure you have an out. I guess. Mm-hmm. And watch for those uh, watch for those white stripes. Those are those will get you every time. White stripes, like uh, on the pavement. Yeah, it's like the, like the crosswalk stripes, and the, you know, oh, the, yeah. not the not the little cheap paint ones, but the like the real ones that are like they're raised above the pavement by like an inch. Yeah. Thermoplastic type stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and there's what's in Portland here. We have the green bike boxes, which have become uh, kind of a, a standard on our roads. Yeah. And I think those have been designed so they they're not additionally slick. I think they have a surface that feels basically like pavement of any other kind. But yeah. One thing that always got me and gets me every year uh, until I, you know, um, yeah, it gets me every year in the rain is uh, turning. You know, I always think I can turn just as sharply Mm, uh, in the rain as I do, like, in dry. And, of course, it's not true. I mean, basic physics would tell me it's not true. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, and I was... Have one pretty decent bike wipe out a year, and it's mm-hmm. usually due to that. Yeah, and you're a more aggressive rider, Aaron, than I am. I think. Yeah, as far as stance wise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, your style is more. Uh, you're pro. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think. I think when I get my my new bike, I'll probably have the only long haul trucker where the uh, stem is leaning down oh, as yeah? opposed to leaning up. Okay. Good times. But yeah, I mean, yeah, because that's how I prefer to ride. It's just you know, somewhat, what is that? Is it prone? That's not prone. Prone is laying on your back. Whatever it is. Yeah, I forget. But anyhow. You know, you know, in other words, you don't want to be upright. You want to be like yeah, more hunched just, over. Yeah. yeah. You're like oh, the guy this, on the postage stamp. This reminds me. So these bikes I've been borrowing, this is totally off subject now. And <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, Are we trying to talk about bikes oh. on the Critical Transit podcast? <laughs> Big problems. Yeah. yeah. Um, but... So both of these bikes that I've been borrowing, they're both upright. And I didn't realize, like, how much I relied on my arms to support my weight. Mm, yeah. Um, and on these upright bikes, like, I can't go very far without my butt hurting <laughs> really bad. You're just discovering that there's a seat on the bicycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's, it's, yeah, it's I, interesting because, like, I, I actually have been, you know, since I got to Minneapolis, I was trying a couple different used bikes. and. The bike that I've been riding originally, I had I had this big ass seat, and it was like one of those like super cruiser seats, and because it's a it's a it's kind of set up like a super cruiser, you know, really upright, and um and I, I kept trying it for the longest time. I was trying to dish the seat, but I couldn't find one that was actually that actually fit me, and, uh, and eventually I did. But it was like, yeah, you um it's interesting how much like how much more you like sitting as opposed to like when I had my road bike, I would be you know sort of you're sort of using the seat for support, but you're not really like sitting on it. Yeah. And you can yeah. see a lot more on, uh, on the upright bike. It's true. Yeah, it kind of changes your perspective a little bit. Because I, I tend to lean over. My bike is set up as uh, it's got the drop bars, and I lean forward a lot. But I would say I lean far less than you do, Aaron. Yeah. And uh, I went so far as to take the mountain bike handlebars that are on this borrowed bike and flip them down. <laughs> it's for a little more reach. <laughs> Just for a little bit more reach. And, yeah, so I could lean down a little bit more. Um yeah, it totally. I do not belong on, on those bikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then there was uh, my friend in Fort Collins, the professor Aaron Levanchi. Uh, he is uh, he's a big fan of going out and doing things on bikes that people wouldn't expect you could do. But he has a Rivendell cycle with like the swept back handlebar, so it's kind of like this upright ride. Um, and it's it's really fascinating because like he's taking that thing out on gravel roads and and taking it up to like you know do skiing trips with and that sort of thing and uh, everyone looks at him and says oh you're doing it wrong but it works out very well for him so yeah, yeah. I have to, I have to uh, give a hard time to those people who are saying he's doing that wrong because uh, this is one of my one of my real annoyances is people talking about how you know you're you're, yeah. not, you're not doing it right you got to do it this way it's like no you so, do it however the hell you want to do it. Yeah. yeah, Jeremy, yeah. have you read that article from Russ and Laura on the Pathless Pedal? Uh, it was one of their earlier ones, but uh, basically, it was someone who was criticizing them for not having clipless pedals. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah, that's a that's a great post and one of the earliest succinct explanations of like basically make your bike work for you, do what you want to do with it, and don't let somebody else tell you what to do just because it's a style thing or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Every, yeah like every rider's preferences are different. Like. Um, 
the fact that I lean forward is sort of flies in the face of a lot of conventional wisdom when it comes to bike touring. Um, you know, a lot of cycle tourists would say like, you need something slightly more upright than, than what I'm doing. Um, but that's, it's how I'm comfortable with it's, it's, uh, I don't know if it's just the way I, I learned or if it's my body type or whatever, but I, I prefer leaning much more, much more forward than the average cycle tourist. Um, yeah, and the basic principle being like, you know, your body will tell but, you yeah, when it hurts. Exactly. But, and you got to figure out how to fix that. But as long as you don't hurt, uh, you know, do what you like to do. Exactly. And obviously, you know, I mean, Russ and Laura are riding around, uh, you know, they're touring on Bromptons. I mean. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they know what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. They're the other Brompton outlaws. They, uh, they did tons of things with those bikes that Brompton never authorized. So, yes. uh, yeah, I respect <laughs> Yeah, it brought to put it on the website though. So that's, that's yeah. Cool. Well, it's true. That's good. Yeah, coming around. So here's a. I got a couple questions that people had uh, sent in. I asked. Uh, I asked if people had questions on biking in the rain. Oh so, shit! Uh, people know that we exist. It's dangerous. <laughs> dangerous. Yes, uh, I've uh, I've sort of let the secret out. Um, and so so one um, one of them uh, you know Daniel wants to know about uh, putting putting plastic bags over your socks over your socks. I guess like under the shoes. Mm. Um, oh, don't do it. People do that. <laughs> you say not to. Um, well, I guess over your shoes wouldn't be so bad. Um, I did a lot of camping as a kid. I was a Boy Scout, actually. Surprise. Surprisingly. Uh, yeah, surprisingly. But you make a damn um, good fire. I do. Thank you. Uh, but, yeah, and so I would do that, like, on hikes. But the problem is, is your feet sweat a lot already. Even mm, in the cold, yeah. your feet will sweat. Um because you know you're working them constantly uh and yeah the problem is is like all that's just gonna gather and you know you're gonna feel all right maybe and a little bit wet but it's just a bed for bacteria and fungus and disgustingness and so i don't know i guess immediately you know if you're just doing like to work and back and you know you got a lot of foot powder you got a good investment of powder. Maybe that'll work bond, for man. you. Yeah. yeah, but I would say wool socks over anything, or or even just warm thermal socks uh, over anything, and a decent pair of shoes. You know, you don't, they don't have to be super expensive or waterproof. Uh, that's that's great if they are. Um, I just wear Adidas Sambas, um, and the leather is is good enough. You know, so long as I don't roll through a puddle, like a really deep puddle or anything. Um, yeah, I would suggest against like plastic against your skin, pretty much for any as a general rule. Yeah, if I was going to do it, and I've done this a couple times, uh, what I would do is uh, get your sock on first, then your bag, then your shoe. Um, problem with that is that the shoes are going to get wet, so you're going to have to wear the bags for the rest of the day, or bring another pair of shoes with you. Uh, but that's a good, like, in a pinch. Like, if you can't afford to buy anything else, um, you know, start there. But bring, like, lots of bags because, like you say, they're going to get gross. And bring extra socks and shoes, I guess. Um, yeah. I've but, seen those, like, those, those covers, like the shoe covers, the, the booty yeah. shoes, they call them. Yeah. Have you tried those, Aaron? I've not. I feel uh, like I need to because that, that's been something that I've wanted to try for a long time. My housemate, Sean, has um, a new pair. Who is it? Uh, I can't remember the name of the company that just put them out now, um, but they're really decent. They they're like a just basically a, a booty that goes over your shoe and comes up just maybe about halfway up the calf, and it zips up and it cinches on. Um, and he's loving it. He likes it. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I I might try it. It to me right now, it's not worth it. I'm I'm I've got with what i've got is working fine yeah it depends on your context a lot like if if you're going to be wearing this every day obviously the plastic bags uh are ridiculous if it's a if it's a once in a while sort of in a pinch thing uh one thing i like which is almost like a plastic bag is just a good solid pair of rubber boots or as uh, our listener blaine and bc would call them gum boots yeah um those are yeah and your wife rolls with galoshes Right. Yeah, well, she has she has really stylish boots. Like she found ones that are both functional and good looking. Mine are just functional, um, and actually, I think they're like three or four years old and developing multiple cracks. So it's time for me to get a new, better pair of boots. But uh, but yeah, a good pair of rubber boots will kind of solve most of the problems you'll deal with with downpour and splash from the road. So I recommend those highly, and that's way better. It's it's 
basically it's the same thing as a rubber or excuse me as a plastic bag yeah and the setback being but far more durable you're going to need flat pedals for that that is you true you couldn't use like the clipless or the or the toe cages mm, or forgive anything. my assumption but but <laughs> but yeah but it works and and you guys love it and i haven't tried it yet i might do it sometime I yeah know. can i just throw something in on the topic of pedals i mean i, I actually just switched out uh, somebody gave me some old uh, mountain bike pedals and uh, which basically are just are just like flat heavy metal pedals with like mm. a little bit of spikes on not spikes but like a little bit of stuff on them so your, your foot doesn't slide all over the place Oops, yeah and, uh, i highly recommend that because i've had a few instances of foot sliding off the pedal uh, and that's usually not good yeah that's no. what i use yeah i i prefer the toe cages um just for myself i know they're sort of out of vogue but um <laughs> uh, but yeah that's what i like right now Riding on something that similar it has like those teeth or whatever that grab onto the, the treads of your shoes, and I really like that too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a question that I that I really like this section. I was thinking about the same thing. Um, you know, you got really long cold uh, cold winters here uh, in the Midwest, and then uh, in Portland you have uh, really long uh, rainy winters. Um, and uh, one thing that that affects a lot of people here is uh, uh, well. Either if it's not like full blown seasonal affective disorder, it's like you know people do get a little depressed and there's less mm, sunlight. Yeah. And um, is that something you guys have any experience with? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's just our general mode of operation in Portland. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's the reason there are so many coffee shops. Yeah, it's like you, if you if you change yourself chemically, then uh, you start to feel better. Uh, so caffeine does that for a lot of people. So does nicotine. Uh, there's there's a ton of that, and I would blame that squarely on the weather as well as like pure pressure. But <laughs> but yeah, and there's a reason that I'm way more chipper today than I was back in September when it was like super wet. Because you had a pack of cigarettes today, or uh, well, that and also <laughs> it it just like it's very sunny today, and so it feels yeah. good to to be so, outdoors. Yeah. And yeah, my spirits are are lifted. Also, I'm off of work for a week because of the holiday, oh, so I feel great. You. Yeah, but yeah, nice plus. Let, let all the bad weather come this week, at least for mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I I've experienced a lot of of that sort of gray depression or grayness induced depression, um, and exercise helps. You know, getting out on the bike, regardless of the fact that. It may not necessarily be the best bike weather out there, um, or just finding something to occupy your time. Really, mm-hmm. but it, it, what is it? It's like gray six, seven months out of the year over here too. So. Yeah, at various times. Yeah, it's kind of interspersed throughout everything. I mean, wait, there's even occasional. What is it like late June or early July? Oftentimes, you get like that one-off week here in in the region where it's just kind of wet and gross, yeah. and you're like, it's supposed to be summer, and so yeah, so it can strike any time of year. I actually had one other thing that I wanted to uh, to throw in there. Um, it's my my uh, ridiculous mess of piece of paper that I call notes. Um, <laughs> you <laughs> I was, better than you are, man. <laughs> I was thinking um, about you know in terms of equipment. I was thinking about uh, my one, one thing I really really love. Um, well, aside from the Dynamo Hub, which I, I mentioned a little while ago, um, one thing that I really really love if I had to recommend to everybody it would be a rear view mirror of some kind. I have one that I that I have on my helmet now, and uh, I, I like that one because it's you know it's very adjustable and flexible, and you just turn your head and you can see everything. And some people like the handlebar ones, um, but I I have to I don't know if you guys use mirror, but I have to throw that out there. We've talked to a lot of people about rear view mirrors recently. I'm uh, they seem to be a theme lately. Yeah, I'm that close to getting what my own. There's actually one that mounts to your gla- glasses frame. Which yeah. if you don't wear glasses, then I guess you should wear a helmet. Uh, I wear glasses and I choose not to wear a helmet. So um, that uh, for, for the longest time, I thought that you had to have a helmet to have a mirror. But uh, there's one that Russ from Pathless Pedal uses and uh, a couple other folks that we've talked to as well. Uh, Chris from Wyoming, we talked to him about a month ago. And uh, he, he actually one mounted yeah. on his bike. Uh, he I forget which kind he uses, um, but he actually talked about the possibility of using the mirror as a communication device to aid yeah. you in your communication with drivers. So he's he's uh, bicycling in rural Wyoming out of Casper and um, not a bikey town. Um, but the way that things go for him, like basically if he sees a vehicle approaching from behind with using the mirror, he can actually gesture politely, of course, to the vehicle coming up and say, like, I'm on the road. You need to move over and give me some space, um, which I had never considered doing. But right. Partly because I'm from Portland, you don't have to do that here as often. But um, 
but if even, you need to even like giving some reinforcement like yes exactly that's the right thing yeah to so do. when the like vehicle moves okay to the left up to them yeah yeah just like thank you so much that yeah it's amazing so i had never considered that but that's uh that's a fantastic idea yeah, I mean, you can definitely see what's coming up from behind, and it's really nice that you're not turning your head constantly, and you know somebody's not going to give you enough room and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, and I've got used to just kind of swirling my head around quite a bit because uh, I didn't have a mirror, but I can see how that would be very useful. Yeah, I'm certainly not a fan of, like, mounting a bunch of stuff on the handlebars. Um, so something, like, mounted to the glasses or to the helmet, I, I can see myself using. At this point, I, I haven't really just gotten around to it um i think it would be a while before i get over the distraction of it too yeah yeah it's a little weird i i, I do have to say that the only i think that the main reason that i still wear a helmet is because of the mirror mm, yeah and i know you guys both don't wear helmets that often i don't know if we want to get into not that as often <laughs> but, yeah. and i'm not saying you shouldn't no it's if it's really rainy and cruddy out i'll I'll wear a helmet. Uh, right now, the only helmet I have, I have to wear a hat with. So, um, in the summer and in the nice times, I I just don't. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, and one of the things that we've said a couple times is like, if you know, if you feel that you need one, definitely wear one. Wear one. Um, I I feel like on my commute because I'm less than eight miles, uh, mostly through neighborhood bikeway streets in Portland. I uh, don't deal with that much traffic. And I feel like I know my commute well enough that I don't think I need the helmet for safety. And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that would give me grief about that and, <laughs> and maybe have. But, um, but yeah, it's kind of like a, a form and function sort of thing. Like if I'm going somewhere I haven't been before, I definitely want to have the helmet on my head because I don't know what to expect. Uh, and that's just one more layer of protection. Um, but on my day of the commutes, I know that route well enough that I feel like, um, I feel like I, yeah. I'm not beyond being in some sort of accident where I can't control the well, factors. Well, no one definitely. can predict the future. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually, I, I've written about this before, and I think, I think it's, it's going to be time to revisit, revisit this in the near future. But um, about how I, you know, my main thing, like people can wear it, don't wear it, whatever. Like my main thing is just like I really get annoyed with the people who try to insist that other people have to wear a helmet. <laughs> right. Yes, the dogmatics. I yeah. think it was uh, our friend Dave Foyt, who's been on our show before, who uh, he said, basically, you're angry at me because I'm not in your club wearing a plastic hat. <laughs> nice. nice. Um, so uh, what else do we want to talk about? Anything else? Well, we're probably at a good wrapping point here. Yeah. Uh, wool. Wool is amazing. Oh, um, we cannot endorse wool enough. We may have brought this up before, but uh, you've got the wool gloves, Aaron. I have uh, wool socks, which I find they dry out well. They keep your feet warm when they get wet and it's it's really it's a natural fiber that does everything that it's supposed to do for you on your bike especially in cold weather see that's uh, one thing i've had an issue with because everybody's everybody's always talking about wool and i i, I don't do wool I, I it doesn't i feel like it doesn't fit in with my uh my nonviolent spirit so i uh, uh. I, I don't do wool but it's it's actually kind of tricky to you know to sort of i'm looking for other things that everybody's yeah. just like wool, 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 and i'm like Tell me something else. <laughs> I might challenge that, but that's probably a bigger conversation than, <laughs> than uh, either of our listeners want to hear. Yep. Just in brief, is it like an animal rights sort of thing? Like, yes. uh, is the process uh, of harvesting? Right okay. Yeah, right. the process of harvesting is quite awful. So, I, uh, yeah, I don't do it. That makes sense. Um, and actually, I, I've, I've been learning that a lot of people have allergies to it. And I've seen, I was at a, a market the other day and there were a whole bunch of handmade stuff. A lot of people were selling gloves. Um, and most of them were like polar fleece on the inside with wool on the outside. Okay. Um, so interesting. interesting huh so, cool yeah I think it'd be the other way around. well for those of you who, who uh, are, w- are willing to accept the wool industry uh i would say merino <laughs> wool in particular is amazing yes. and uh darn tough socks i'll endorse them by brand i have a couple uh, alpaca socks that mm, i love nice yeah yeah darn tough is a u.s produced sock company um and i've had problems with smart wool uh, where like i love their stuff but the stuff falls apart really quickly so I'm not expecting endorsement from them anytime soon. Um, but Darn Tough has a lifetime guarantee on the socks that you buy. And they also put the seams in an interesting place so that uh, so they don't... rub up against your... Just like, or... was it Finding Forrester where you, you know, turn the seams yeah. inside out? So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, they have, yeah, they have a really good uh, system set up for that. So, uh, yeah. So anyways, that's, that's probably our last word. Cool. Well, uh, th- thanks so much for doing this. And, uh, and hey, we will consult you as the experts in the future on, uh, on rain biking. And all other things. Oh, like thanks. <laughs> we'll try and direct you to the people that have maybe even more experience than we do. But that's nice of you. Yeah, cool. thanks. All right, man. Have a good one. 
Thank you once again to Brock and Aaron from the Sprocket Podcast for joining me and uh, having that uh, wonderfully informative and also entertaining discussion about uh, bicycling in the rain and uh, and other related things. Um, you can find them at the SprocketPodcast.com. Uh, find the show notes and information about this show at CriticalTransit.com. And you can go to, uh, you can send me an email at feedback at criticaltransit.com. Send me your, your thoughts on, uh, do you have thoughts on biking in the rain? Also, uh, maybe suggestions for future show topics and or guests. I have upcoming, uh, gonna be a show on winter biking with a bunch of people from Minneapolis, so that's very exciting. And, uh, maybe we'll do a helmet show and we get a couple other things, uh, in the works, so, uh, very excited about all that. So um, you can, in the meantime, go to criticaltransit.com. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook and all these other places. Uh, no, that's actually about it. Um, let me know what you think of the sound quality, if you like the new uh, the new microphone setup. And if you like the show and you appreciate what you're hearing, please consider going online to criticaltransit.com and making a donation to support this continued project. Um, it is uh, There are costs associated with it, and big-time commitments, so I'd appreciate anything that you can do to support this work. And also, uh, if you uh, if you also feel like the show, you can go to uh, iTunes and other places and uh, leave a positive review um, and share the word around uh, your friends, colleagues, uh, and I don't know about your enemies. Uh, I don't know if they uh, if they're really big car nuts, then uh, maybe leave them out. I don't know. Um, but yeah, pass the word along. Um, I will talk to you soon. You have all your uh, all your stuff covered. Um, wise, you're. Are we live? Uh, well, uh, I, I suppose <laughs> we could be. <laughs> right. Well, just uh, just to make sure the jackass quality comes through on my end, I'll I'll keep on. I'll, I'll bluster with bravado. But uh, we're, we're we're set up uh, enough that uh, that anything from this point forward could be live. Oh yeah, I'm here.